Good morning. Welcome to the Celtic Way Morning Briefing Live. I'm Tony Haggerty at a Haggerty 10 Twitter handle, as you well know by now. And I'm joined today by Sean Martin at Sean Martin TCW Twitter handle. Change of scenery for me today, Sean, because <laughs> Castle Haggerty's still getting its renovations and its makeovers at Al Diggers and all sorts, so we don't want back. Is that a moat there, right? is it? A moat as well as a drawbridge. I suppose you need to have a moat if you've got a drawbridge in it. So correct the window. Yes, it's all there. Yes, indeed. You know how it is. But yes. But first and foremost, good morning, everybody, and just direct your attention to the strap line running running along the bottom. And the reason we're doing that today is it's our last chance to subscribe to the Celtic Way for the new deal, and it's a pound for two months of full access to everything that's written on the website, or. 25% off the yearly price. That's the Christmas deal that we've been running. And all you do, hit, click on my button, www.celticway.co.uk forward slash subscribe. That's www.celticway.co.uk forward slash subscribe. And that ends tonight, midnight tonight, Sean. Is that right? Uh, sorry, yep. It was muted there. Aye. Midnight tonight, yep. Yep. So that's a pound for two months of full access for everything that's written on the website, or 25% off the yearly price, that takes it down to 26 quid. Midnight tonight, guys. Take advantage of that. www.celticway.co.uk forward slash subscribe. And we're also big up to our new sponsors, Sean. Yep. Seneca. And the Celtic Way Morning Briefing is now sponsored by Seneca Medical Group. We thank them. And Seneca are the number one hair transplant company in Europe and offer innovative hair restoration treatments, and you can find out more about Seneca via the links in the description of this briefing. Now, there you go, Sean. Whenever I see Seneca, I'm going to laugh and look at you and you think that something, <laughs> some kind of pockling going on here or jiggery-pokery, but hey, there you go. But we thank Seneca for their sponsorship of the, the briefing. It's very welcome. Now, Sean, January is promising and shaping up to be busy for Celtic. Yep. On and off the field, but off the field, there's all sorts of things and throwings and murmurs and whispers, but nothing concrete as of yet. Nah, not particularly. Um, I see a lot of the cut by the way, Tony, and a lot of the comments here they're, they're worried. They're saying, Where's the, where's the wardrobe? Where's Tony? <laughs> Kaiser says, Is Tony moved out? Put your eggs, Tony's in the doghouse. Tony's moved back into his mum and dad's temporarily. There you go. Yeah, so. <laughs> For the purposes of noise pollution and all that, I didn't like that the other day that there was background noise, so came to the relative solace of my mother and father's box room. So there you go. <laughs> um, aye, to go to transfer window, I mean, me and Adam were talking about it a wee bit yesterday in terms of Cho, which seems to dominate, yes. the, kind of, it's dominating the landscape the last couple of days, along with the, the kind of potential exits of Juranovic and Jack Amakis, which we've, we've mentioned a few times, but... I mentioned to Aidan yesterday uh, about Cho, Tony, that the, the latest reports from, well, yesterday anyway, were that Rangers were interested in him. Uh, and I just made the point to Aidan that they can be interested in him all they want, but if it does become a, a choice, a genuine choice where both teams have actually got bids in, you'd imagine there, there would only be one winner, whether it's a, a tra attraction or actual financial muscle. Yeah, and I think also as well, I think Celtic have made their play early doors, aren't they? So... Cho would know that Celtic do want him and it's parties coming together and discussions and all that kind of stuff. So I think Celtic have made no secret, or, it's, or it is no secret, that mm. Celtic do want the player. Now, how, how genuine the interest from Rangers is, that remains to be seen. 
again go back to murmurings but you know monitoring situations and you know keeping tabs on that that's not entered into discussions or have made a bid so mm -hmm. there's different types of interest isn't there and i think the player would know himself that at this moment in time Celtic are genuinely interested have lodged a bid and a, a, alongside i think minnesota was one of the aye, they, their name popped up, but the, the, the commander, aye, the understanding is they'd prefer to play in Europe, which is, yes. which is a feather in the cap for, for Celtic's pursuit, you would think. Yeah, and Michael Ross said, I wish Celtic would get the Chodio sorted now. And I, yeah, and I think a lot of Celtic supporters are like that. You're always a big fan of if someone leaves, you have a ready made replacement in the building. Mm -hmm. So aye. it could be hinging on Giacomacus's next move. I'm not talking about financially, I'm just talking about. Celtic do have the financial muscle to go in and purchase Cho right now, but I think they also want to know that there's somebody leaving as well. But I'm, a, I'm like you, Sean, I'm still a lover of bringing in another striker, whether Jackie Marcus leaves or not. So, uh, well, the succession planning thing, you've seen it with Alistair Johnston, that, that's, he's in before Juranovic goes, which is, I suppose, the ideal, because then you know that the, the any, any selling club that you're approaching knows that, one, you've not already got money yeah. sitting there, yeah. Uh, and two, they know you've already got the guy there, I suppose, which you could argue the toss whether that's a good thing or a bad thing. If they know you've got the replacement in, they might say, well, you need to sell them now, that kind of thing. Uh, I don't think that is the case with Celtic, to be honest. But, um, <clears throat> yeah, I think uh, it's, an, it's a really odd one because it's only the 11th of January, Tony. Yeah. Um, and because of the last couple of windows getting business done really early, last January was actually last December for, for three yeah, or four yeah. Uh, and then in the summer, which uh, a lot, the last couple of deals aside, the, the main deals were done in, in good time. Uh, although it felt obviously at the time that Jota was traipsing around half the world before they actually signed, it was still done it like, very early. Um, so the 11th of January, I mean, I can see Michael Ross's point, but at the same time, it's still very early in this window. So I, I, yeah. I don't want to start panicking yet. No, there's no great panic. Like I think Celtic are going about their business well and have done since Ange Postacoglu came in, so there's no reason to be distrusting of the process mm. so far. Guys, get your questions coming in if you want myself and Sean to answer um, any of your questions that you have. On that note, probably goes. related to the kind of perception that it's that it's taking ages, Alan Wood says Peter Lawwell's back, so no coincidence the Joe deal is stalling. I've seen that a few times on, on social yeah. media. I think it's probably unfair, to be honest. It could just be taking a wee bit longer. And also, as I said, it's only 11th of January. I wouldn't say it's been taking ages. Uh, it's just mm -hmm. considering what we've been used to lately, that it oh, feels yeah. as if it's dragging on. But apart from anything else, you've got to say, and I said this at the time when Peter Lawwell was announced as, uh, as exec chairman, that until you actually have a reason to believe that Michael Nicholson is not the one calling the shots, I'm still going to both credit Michael Nicholson and ask questions of Michael Nicholson when it comes to the transfers, not Peter Lawler. Because mm. um, Michael Nicholson, so far since he got that job permanently, it was just forgetting how good it's been, how, how how well he's done in that transfer market. And I know a lot of that is to do with Ange maybe taking a wee bit more to do with the football side, but they've also recruited Mark Lowell now. Um, they are getting their ducks in a row in that sense, finally. Um, and I, I just think that saying about Peter Lawwell right now is kind of an insult to Michael Nicholson's job as well. I agree with that, but I also think that deals take time, Sean. Mm. They do, I mean, but 
I've, I've spoken to agents before who've explained the rudiments of deals, explained the option to buy, uh, like Sir Raymond Sparks uh, did a piece with him, yeah. and uh, and others, you know, Joe Allen's agent, Glenn Corcoran, and they, they've explained things, but they also explained that a deal just doesn't happen, not a club says, right, we want him, we buy him, and that's it. There's all sorts of fundamentals that need to be put in place, and all sorts of clauses and contracts and stuff like that. So it is a time-consuming process. Mm. And so, as you say, it's 11th of January. Yes, everybody knows that Celtic would like Joe or have lodged a bid for Joe. There's more than interest there. So, But I think it's fair enough as well that maybe the players are also holding out to see what is actually on the table on the back of these World Cup performances. Mm. And you don't blame the player either, but his preferred destination is somewhere in Europe. So Celtic trumps Minnesota in that sense. Mm -hmm. Minnesota have allegedly made a bid too. So uh, these things will come out in the wash. I always say what will be will be. And I, I also think as well that, you know, the, the legendary Ange phone call and all that that's been made or contact. But if a player doesn't want to play for Celtic, and he's admitted himself, uh, he'll, he'll walk away or the deal won't be done. But until the player says that, until Ange says he's walking away, then they're still, I still take it that the ball's rolling on this and it could come to a successful or a logical conclusion. What will be will be then, the, the gospel well, according to Doris Day, is it? Well, of course, um, but I, I, you cannot rush these things and no, you can't. speculate um, all you want, but there, there are many things that make up a deal. Mm -hmm. I don't think Celtic would get involved if there wasn't some interest from the player saying, okay, you know, I'd like to consider this. Again. Well, as uh, Sean, Sean H there saying, just pointing out, because this has been well documented, I think it was an interview with his dad as well, even, even yeah. said this, that uh, Cho has already says he wants to take his time on his next club that he goes to, um, so it's probably taking a bit of time from his side. I suppose the argument to that would be, you either know you want to go to a club like Celtic or you don't, um, yeah. but his dad's interview uh, from about three, four weeks ago now, did say that he'd been advised basically go on style, go on where you you play, go on um, the type of, of manager you'll be playing under rather than just whoever offer you, offers you the most, that kind of thing. And I yeah. still think that, obviously biased, but I still think Celtic tick all mm. those boxes as well for someone. And the only thing would be the game time consideration. If he's looking at it and he goes, well, am I going to be a replacement for a guy who doesn't start that often anyway? But then that's where you need to have the the fortitude to say, no, I'll make that my spot once I'm there anyway. Well, I'm reading that, you know, the player said he wants to go somewhere where he's guaranteed first-team football. You're not guaranteed first-team football with any club. It's your ability and, as you say, your mental fortitude and your willingness to play yourself into a, a manager's plans that guarantee you first-team football. And if he, if he can guarantee himself first-team football at Celtic by regularly putting the ball in the net, if he signs, then that's a given, isn't it? But, you know, as Ange Postacoglu has always said, nobody is guaranteed first-team football in any of his teams because that's the way he wants it. He wants players constantly on their toes, players, you know, two or three good players for every position. So you know what you're walking into if you do sign for Celtic. He spelled that out many, many times. But it's not as if you're not going to play. Mm. But when you're, if you're not playing and then you're asked to play, you better be ready. That's what he's saying. You know, be ready, be the best player you can be. That's why I, he asked them for all the effort. Training. That's why training is always at that high high intensity. 
I've said before, if you're listening to what Anne says, he's telling you, he's roadmapping it, he's signposting it. You know, he's preparing all these players to play at some point in a football match, mm-hmm. whether that be after an hour or, you know, you start and play for the first hour or come on for the last half an hour. But you've got to be game ready. And any football player worth of salt, can he just turn around and say, I want a game. I'm Cho. I, I'm whoever. Doesn't no. It's, the manager said football doesn't work like that. And if you sign for his team, then, yeah, good players will play most of the time. But he, he has a, as he says, he has a starting 11 and a finishing 11. He doesn't have a, a settled 11 or a favoured 11. But you're, you're part of a squad and you will get game time. Again, going back to what you said, whether you're happy enough to just play game time, then it's up to you to make it regular game time, isn't it? Aye, I mean, I, I, that's where I stand on it. I've been saying the whole time, if Celtic sign another striker, <clears throat> whether it's a replacement for Yakimakis or whether it's to add to the, the options there, it almost needs to be someone that is capable of breaking the, the kind of Kyogo's run of, of, of games because otherwise they're just going to be in the same situation as Yakimakis is. The alternative being it's someone who is good enough to contribute. Basically, someone like Yakimakis, but is, is actively happy to be second choice rather than, do you know what I mean? Rather than feeling as if they should start more, I think justifiably so until the last few, or maybe the last month or so, um, in Giacomacus's case. But the, the catch twenty two with that is if you're a striker and you're playing well enough when you when you do get a game and you're scoring, then naturally it follows that you feel that like you should be playing more, and it, it, that that will hold true for most strikers, yeah. most players in general, but specifically for strikers. Um, there's a few comments here. Frank Brennan, I was signing Doris Day. Uh, Kesera, Sera, they like your, they like your, um, like your reference tone. I don't know if they're calling you the man who knew too much or not, but <laughs> you know, but I, I, I'm not a panic merchant. That's the bottom line. When people saying get a deal done now, do this and that, you, you can't hurry these things. It's you know, deals take time, and I'm sure Celtic are prudently going about their business and are doing everything they can uh, to to make sure if they want this player that he comes to the club, you know, not all transfers take some time to complete, but any mention about and Ange, Angie Nicholson will patch him at Francisco Weldonino as a <laughs> handle there. But, you know, and I, I, that's the way I think too. I, I just think any kind of hint that the players going elsewhere or playing Celtic off against somebody else, they, they, they would clearly walk away from that, you know, so that, again, the manager, he said he wants players that are hungry and want to come to the club, so, I guess there's been some encouragement there to to initially kickstart the dialogue to for Celtic to lodge the bid. So it is a waiting game because, as I say, these, these things take time, but, but it will not be through anything that Celtic do wrong if Joe doesn't sign for the club. And I'm quite confident in the way Celtic, since Ange came in, have been going about their business and transfers. So, again, I have no reason to distrust any of those processes yet. Uh, Tom Max coming in saying he's read if Cho does come to Celtic the transfer fee will be done in instalments. That's kind of standard practice, Tony, no? Yeah, that's standard practice. You Very rarely do a club actually part of yeah. the full fee up front, isn't it? Yeah, that's 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 an accepted norm. Um, um got another few comments. Sorry, Tony, what are you gonna say? I was just saying that's an accepted uh, normal practice for when clubs do business, it's usually paid over maybe hmm. three or four instalments, something like that. Uh, got a few comments. Chilpil just says Michael Nicholson's been brilliant since he got the job permanently. 
Uh, agree with that. Again, the only thing, the only kind of criticism I have is, and this is when he was interim chairman, or chief exec, sorry, was the kind of club silence on the Bernard Higgins thing. Because um, yeah. he was the interim uh, chairman the interim chief executive when that was going on. But since he's got the job permanently, especially in transfer windows in the way that Ange Postacoglu has been supported, um, I wouldn't say he's been a lucky man, Tony. Uh, but I think he has been uh, I think he's been supported certainly by Michael Nicholson. Um so I think that's worth worth pointing out. Uh, got a few comments, a few questions for you, Tony. Um first of all, Hazel comes in saying, How do you think Celtic will deploy Iwata? He wants to be a number six, which is what he said in his, his kind of press conference yesterday. He says that's where he sees himself, but he will play wherever he's asked. Uh, will McGregor and Iwata play in the same team? Interested in your thoughts, would you think, Tony? Yeah. Move McGregor, McGregor further forward, don't you? Yeah. The fans trust Iwata, which he clearly does. He signed him. He's coming with a bit of a pedigree, being the J1 League Player of the Year. Looks series rare to go. So we'll find that out in the fullness of time. But if that's a natural number six, then I'm all for moving McGregor further forward. I think McGregor being deployed in a further forward role can be an even bigger asset to Celtic if you have a natural number six. So mm. I think they will need to be played in the same team uh, initially because I think Callum will be the one to also cajole and tell Iwata mm. how it's done. You know, get him used to Scottish football and be there as a an extra layer of protection till the guy feel confident enough to say, right, I know the terrain now, I know what I'm doing, I know where I'm going, I can stand them on two feet. You need your teammates around you. Mm-hmm. you know, he's coming from a different culture of football completely. Uh, he's saying all the right things with the Celtic supporters and he's a player that the manager wanted and has said he wanted him for a while. He said he would have maybe signed him last year, didn't he? Mm-hmm. So, if this, and he's just become the J1 League Player of the Year, it's good enough for me. And I think the manager knows exactly what he's going to bring to the table. And he'll be aided and abetted by uh, Callum McGregor, who, as a captain, has been fantastic and inspirational and the go-to guy for mm-hmm. new players coming into the dressing room. So I think that dynamic will be really, really interesting when when they do play, because I think the two of them will play in the same team. Uh, I tend to think they'll play in the same team as well, mostly because uh, Cal McGregor's Cal McGregor, like he's, he's yeah. not going to, he's either going to play the six or the eight, but he will play. Put it that way. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. What I do think it will be interesting, and you probably well, you, you might not see it this season because there's no European competition. Um, but as opposed to Coglu, obviously signed Iwata for Yokohama F Marinos and, and specified that when he signed him. It was as a double pivot to play as one of a double pivot. Um, so I wonder if that is the thoughts going into hopefully the Champions League group stages next year, that it might be yeah. both of them sitting there. Which, again, people will maybe come in saying that would be too defensive for Ange. Well, it's not because he's played a double pivot before. It might it would certainly be too defensive in Scottish football to play the two of them sitting there. Yeah. Uh, and I don't think that will happen, which is why I'm saying it might be later on before you see it. But I wouldn't be surprised if that's what he's thinking because this is a guy who, as you pointed out, um, he knows he knows how to get, he knew how to get the best out of Dyson Maida because he had him at, at Marinos before he had him at Celtic. If signed him, knowing what he was going to bring, he signed Iwata, knowing what he's going to bring. Um, so I think, albeit from now until the end of the season, you'll probably see it similar to the way that he bedded Moy in, where maybe he'll be coming on different situation because he'll be fitter Iwata than what Moy was. But in terms of 
it's maybe not going to be McGregor coming off. It might be him moving up to the eight rather than rather than anything else. But because I think McGregor is outstanding at the six, I really don't think we can move him from there. But in Europe, uh, certainly in domestic football, you're fine to move him if, if it comes to because you're going to be dominating the ball anyway. Uh, but in Europe, I, I'll just be interested to see if the talk of the double pivot that he signed the water to play in uh, Marino's bears fruit when it comes to Celtic going back into the Champions League, hopefully, and. It's maybe the both of them together, and then it's a, a fight between the the rest of the midfielders to get that last uh, that last advance spot. Well, it's interesting. I, I don't know, but it's interesting. Flip that up because that's exactly what yep. I think as well. He's already planning in it. Mm-hmm. I've said before, he and he said himself, he's constantly thinking ahead. That's on the proviso that Celtic win the title and get automatic qualification into the group stages again. Mm-hmm. You know, they have a nine point lead at the top which is all well and good, but they need to see see the job out and, and win the title again. But I think that's an Ange Postacoglu's thinking, because he's always thinking. He's always thinking about how players can affect the team and he envisages them in the team. And I think what you've alluded to there and Andrew's comment there is that that's what he's thinking is. He can envisage them in a Champions League Celtic team, possibly with a double pivot, that extra layer of protection. And as you say, that's maybe he's thinking moving forward in Scotland. There's no need for a, a double pivot. Mm-hmm. Uh, but in European games and, you know, big important games, I think that's exactly what the manager's thinking and it's exactly why Iwata's been brought in. Could be wrong, but uh, I think I think you looking at the bigger picture, that's what you kind of see, isn't it? Developing. Uh, I mean, that, that's, that's what I'm kind of getting at, I think. What he does between now and the end of the season, he'll be about bedding them in and, and yeah. hopefully contributes to a title win, obviously, uh, potentially a treble win. But ultimately, um, what I'm, as I say, what I'm most curious about is when it comes to the Champions League, which again is, is hopefully what's going to be the case. Um, because we, <sighs> the 4-3-3 is something that he obviously does play, but it's not he's not always been wedded to it. It's the style of play that he's wedded to. And you can play an attractive style of play if you know... See, see with two sitting and your two are Callum one of the two is Callum McGregor for, for to start with, right? You know that's a that's a footballer you're getting in there. It's not yeah, a yeah, yeah. with Iwata. Certainly we'll need to see how he beds in, obviously, but from the scouting report, from watching clips, from seeing his stats, all that kind of stuff, he isn't just a destroyer. Very energetic, right enough, but not just a destroyer, decent with the ball. So I mean if you've got two sitting and it's those types of players. You're still going to be playing attractive football. You're still going to be playing to his philosophy. Just because it wouldn't necessarily be a four-three-three in the strictest sense of what we've seen so far, doesn't really mean much to me. He's, I mean, he's not always played a four-three-three. He prefers it as long as there's wingers. He prefers it. But we're sure we had played three at the back before. He changed at Boxing Day last year because of the COVID outbreak, different things like that. He has not married to it, and I think it's more about the personnel and what they'll bring to it as opposed to. I, mean, I need to play this system and it can only have that one sitter because it he depends who the sitters are. Yeah, he also said it was flexible, didn't he? Yep. He's used that phrase before that it's flexible and it's and it's fluid, it's not just rigid. You know, but people have pigeonholed him as a, a 4-3-3 manager. And I think you're right. I think it's just in, in terms of the personnel, you know, he has a he has a favoured style of play, doesn't he? But it's not always, as you say, as, as rigid as that and as, as formatted. Well, with personnel that can change uh, all the time so uh, I think uh, as you say to just 
to look at it as narrow, it's, it's very tunnel vision. If you just think it's 4 3 3, it's 4 3 3, and you'll not deviate from that. He has done in the past, as you said, and will do and will continue to do. So, but he has this favoured style of play that uh, he's told you about. You know, so it's, but he, you know, my thoughts on these things, Sean, you can never get enough good players in your team. Yeah. Right? Uh, it is, and if you have good players in your team, you automatically become a better team and a good team. So he signed the water for a reason. This is a guy he's watched, you know, sign them for Mariners, and he said he was going to sign them at Celtic last year. So, and he's clearly had a, a great year in Japanese football. So he's coming for a reason, and he's not coming to sit on the bench, is he? I don't no. know. No, a couple of people have said that, Tony. A couple of people have said exactly that. He's not signed the J1 League MVP who he signed for. Marino's to sit, to come and sit on the bench. Now, it might obviously take him a wee bit to break in and, and Aidan's got a piece up on the site today just asking the question, like, one, where will he play? And two, when will he play it? Because Callum McGregor, Rayo Hatate, even Matt O'Reilly, who we've agreed has been off the boil slightly, I, I kind of disagree with that term, but you know what I mean? He's not been at his, his absolute Matt O'Reilly height uh, recently. And then Aaron Moy, the way he's been playing, don't forget David Turnbull. It's a very hard area of the park to actually break into for his, for, for serious minutes um, rather than rather than cameos. So it took Aaron Moy a while, but I think it took him a while also because he basically hadn't been playing football for a while before it. Uh, Iwata is different in the sense that he's coming off a, a G1 league, successful G1 league season. Um, Hatate hit the ground running. Last January after that, he was also coming into a different situation, though. Um, so you, you never know. But I do agree with you. He's, he's fundamentally, he's J1 League MVP for a reason, and he's not coming in to sit on this bench. he want to hit the ground running. Um, you've seen that with the way that he grabbed the mic at Parkhead. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah and, and, and go back to your original comments that nobody's a guaranteed starter. I think I think Iwata might have something to say about that mm. in, in the coming weeks to try and make himself mm. an automatic guaranteed first pick uh, in Angie's eyes if he can. Sean Malloy coming in asking what height Iwata is because he says um, he could play centre half but looks a bit in the short side. He's 5'10", which, I mean, it depends how you look at these things. I know there was a massive debate when uh, Man United signed Martinez in the summer. Uh, he's too small to play centre half. The automatic thing you go to is well, Cannavaro and Baresi were hardly tall. But then the other thing is well, not everybody's Cannavaro and Baresi either. <laughs> so there's all these things. I personally think at Celtic it means a lot less in domestic football that you have a lot of height um, because most of the game you'll have the ball anyway. It's more about what you can do with the ball at your feet. In Europe, maybe maybe people would exploit it more. But I don't. I don't actually tend to be that preoccupied with a player's height even if it's a centre back it's more about what they can do and their, their, their game intelligence and what they can do with the ball at their feet Tony of course I, I, mean, I, I don't actually it. expect him to play centre back put it, by the way but that just if he does fill in there I'm not that worried I was five well I'm five nine Sean you know what I mean height nah. never me you know just never you were only a centre half but were you <laughs> oh yes I have I, I played <laughs> centre forward at times but uh, there's a difference between sweeper and centre half, though. I would say a marked a mark difference. Uh, oh, yeah. But um, I, I, I know. I don't up there and down there on the carpet. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, yeah. But yeah, there you go. Um, I, I, well, he's 5'10. 
Take from that what you want. Take from that what you want. But um, uh, there's a few a few coming in here. Jason Lee still saying Celtic still certainly need to upgrade for the Champions League. I think that's that's something the manager said before. It's just going to be a constant process, isn't it? Yeah, that's what he said. Be be agile, didn't he? So mm-hmm. in the in the transfer market. But suppose yeah. the caveat to these things where we're saying about preparing people for the Champions League and all that is that. At some point, whether it's this window or the next window or the one after, people are going to come after Celtics. Celtics better players. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So there's that to consider as well. Even though we don't really, want, don't really want to start talking about that because it it gets you down a wee bit thinking about that. But he did say that that it's something you're going to need to deal with. And, and the that. post, yeah, that's why he doesn't get too attached. Mm-hmm. So he might be preparing you for something else happening in the offing further down the line. Uh, no. Speaking of exits. Francisco Weldonino comes back in here and says, hoping Juranovic gets a move to Newcastle. Um, I don't know if I don't think specifically he cares if it's Newcastle because it's the next sentence that, that we want to focus on here. Because he says he reckons that Alistair Johnson will, will turn out a far better player for Celtic. Very early, pardon me, very early to be saying that, Tony. But I mean, I've liked what I've seen. You were kind of, he was all right in the derby, better against Kilmarnock. Yeah. Very early though. Oh, to, I mean, that, it's far too early. It's two games in, but I think when you you look at a player, you you just tick the basic boxes, don't you? And say, mm-hmm. right, okay. And yeah, he went into Ibrox, baptism of fire, all that. Past that kind of test where with flying colours in a lot of people's eyes, I I thought he wasn't as good as a lot of people had made out. But that's just myself. I thought he could have been closer to Kent, but went for the goal. But that kind of stuff. But he did a lot of other stuff very well and then on Saturday we were interested to see how we'd cope in a team that had the ball against a team that weren't particularly a company win a football match mm-hmm. and it did very well on Saturday so uh, you know so you can only go on the evidence that's been produced so far two games in and you're, you're liking the look of them I'll reserve any kind of judgment on them as a footballer because I want to see more but the early early impressions are that yeah, he, he could do a job for Celtic. Whether or not he'll turn out to be a, a better or worse player than Juranovic or better than Ralston or better than Taylor or whoever, then mm-hmm. I think it's very, very early for that. But you, I think from the early impressions, I think Celtic supporters are, are pretty delighted and they're, they're happy with what they've seen so far from Alistair Johnson. And just long may that continue. Uh, back to the height subject, and uh, Angelo Tyro says on Tinder, I tell them I'm 6'4". <laughs> well, there you have it. Um, a few ones here, uh, quite a lot of compliments for Iwata. I think a lot of people are excited to see him wherever where, where he plays, because he can also play right back as well, but I think that's even less likely, given there's three right backs just now. There probably will but we think there's going to be two come the end of the end of the window, and you can't sleep on how well Anthony Alston was playing when he got the chance. His injury actually came at a really bad time because he would have started probably all of those games right up until the derby, yeah. probably including the derby, given Juranovic still obviously wasn't wasn't quite ready when he did come on. Um, it obviously meant Alistair Johnston managed to get the ultimate baptism of fire, but don't forget about Anthony Alston either, isn't it? Yeah, of course. I listen that, and again, we go back to the the players for every position, or a couple of players at least. For every position, and you want that healthy competition, and if that spurs on Ralston again, the arrival of Anthony, uh, sorry, of Alistair Johnson, then mm-hmm. you know you again you've got two two cracking players fighting it out for the right back uh, 
birth if Josip Juranovic actually leaves. You know, there's all the speculation, but he might stay till the end of the season. So then you would have three guys fighting it out for uh, that position. And Kaiser coming in. I'm not dropping the bricky yet, but he's, he's a good player. You know, so, uh, yeah, I mean, it's it's all down to personal preference, isn't it? I, I think yourself and myself, Sean, have the opinion that whenever Ralston's been asked to come in and, and do a job, he hasn't let him be down. That's why he was so high in the power ranks, because he played enough minutes. He'd maybe not, he'd maybe not played a lot of games in comparison to other people that were in the kind of higher echelons of the list. But he had played, like he wasn't even close to not meeting the minutes threshold. He'd played yeah. a lot of minutes. And it just so happens that in the minutes that he was playing, it was usually from the start when it was a rotation game. And he played well. Like, there's no other way to put it. He was he was playing consistently well, which is actually, you, you could argue, harder to do when you're in and out than it is getting a run. Um, so, again, that injury came at a really unfortunate time for him because yeah. Juranovic coming back from the World Cup he was obviously going to get a run of games Johnston couldn't play yet it was a way I've actually no doubt that if he, he didn't pick that pick up that injury he would have played in the Glasgow derby because he would have made himself yeah. the first choice by, by all intents and purposes the de facto first choice and and also you, you look at the things that Anthony Ralston has improved his game upon you know a couple of comments there saying that Johnston can't cross the ball. You know, <laughs> that's a bit harsh, I think. Uh, you know what I mean? Uh, Anthony Ralston clearly worked on his crossing because mm-hmm. we spoke that whenever Jackie Marcus played in the team, because he seemed to play when Jackie Marcus played and he was yep. firing on those dangerous balls. So Jackie Marcus was, just needed a touch and Celtic got a lot of joy and a lot of goals from that. Mm-hmm. And he knew exactly what he was doing. Ralston became adept at hitting it into areas, didn't he? Mm-hmm. Where he knew players would be even Kyogo as well, so people were starting to read that, and I think that's facets of your game, and Johnson will work on that too, they'll get to learn, those kind of near post runs that Kyogo makes, and mm-hmm. that Ralston picks out with, with the likes of Jack and Marcus and Kyogo, but obviously the caveat being if Jack and Marcus stays, you know, so. Uh, he likes so, an overlap, Ant and Ralston, more, yeah. than, more than perhaps Juranovic does. He does try the inverted stuff. You, you need to. You can't. You can't avoid it. Juranovic's slightly better at it. Obviously, just better. Come more comfortable with the ball at his feet. But Ralston, in terms of diet, like actual raw output and stuff, you you can you can make the argument Ralston's been more effective. Um, I always say, and I don't. Again, I don't mean it as a, a slight, but the kind of second unit trio of Yakimakis, Abada, and Ralston. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think all three of them work really link well together and. Antonio's coming in. Antonio's coming in here saying Ralston is good, but he feels he steps up to another level when he's playing behind Abada. And as I say, that kind of ties in with me. I don't I mean, mean it as a slight, Tony. You know, I don't mean it as a slight. I'm no. saying the second unit, just in terms of that none of the three are actually first choice all the time. But is I think the three of them playing together play well together. They're not criticisms. They're observations on what you're watching, and you know that it's, it's quite a potent right hand side at times when Abada. And Ralston have linked up, and when George's Jackie Marcus has played centre forward as well, they've had a lot of joy from that kind of trio, you know, down the wing into the into the middle type thing. That's that's what you're saying. Mm-hmm. As you say, they've not always been first choice starters. So I think that's I think that's a fair comment. But it's 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 been noticeable, hasn't it? That's that's what we're saying. Mm-hmm. You know, that's what that's what you're observing from watching the team play. Uh, I'm going to fire through another few before we... I mean, it's 35 minutes or so, but I'll fire through another few of the questions. Ed says, anyone know if Jeremy Frimpong has a sell-on clause? Been seeing lots of rumours, a few teams interested in him. Celtic, 
for for sometimes that they they kind of slip up with deals. For instance, Ryan Christie's contract expiring in the middle of the season, all that kind of stuff. Sell on fees is something they tend to get right, Tony. Yeah, um, they always have. I think if I remember right, the reports that came out nearer like when back at the time when he was sold was it was a sell on fee on the profit. So I think they sold him for what 11, 12 million. Yeah. So whatever profit Leverkusen make on that outlay, Celtic are due a percentage of. I don't know the exact percentage, but I think they would be in, in line for millions anyway. Put it that way. Yeah, I think if uh, I think that's exactly how it works. They they've got a sale a sell on clause with in terms of the profit. So you see, um, Frank for twelve, didn't he? So, for something like that. I so, and I think that the kind of figures that have been spoken about, which I don't, I, th- I think are probably <laughs> probably fair, uh, because he's a still a young, and as I say about paying for potential, a young international now standard right back playing in one of the top five leagues for a team that's just below the the upper echelons. He'll go for he will go for really really good money if he goes. Yeah. Um, and Celtic will benefit from that, and it only makes sense that they benefit. It's part of the, the model of they, they operate in. Uh, Derek Crawford saying, Morning, lads, has the talk of Tenstead disappeared? This is a Rosenberg striker. Uh, Tony, he says he's not seen much lately. And then at the start, um, Michael Ross kind of said that, and I highlighted it. The reports are that Benfica are willing to offer upwards of eight or, eight, eight or so million. So obviously, that would mean Celtic would. I mean, Celtic have obviously paid that for someone else and Edward has, it was 8.99 million, 9 million, whatever way you want to put it. But that was after a year's loan where they knew it was going to do the business yeah. and stuff. They're not just going to they're not just going to lay it out, especially with the the, the summer window they just had with, with Jota and Carter Vickers. So Michael Ross probably nails it that that, that rules Celtic out of that, would you think? Yeah, I mean I don't I don't see Celtic paying eight and a half, nine million pounds for a player at this moment in time. And that's if there was Celtic interest in Tengstead in the first place. It was all very tenuous, wasn't it? Yeah. And, uh, you know, so, which is why at times we've took the executive decision that we don't talk about everybody that's linked with Celtic because you'd be here all day just talking mm-hmm. about names that, as you say, don't end up anywhere near the club. So, might mention them in passing, but I think that was one of those that maybe an agent had put it out. Uh, more agent and paper talk than anything else, Sean. Nah, it sounded it sounded like it to be fair, I that that often is the case at this time of year. Uh, Robert Gibson comes in and says Joe Hart has a passing ability of a drunk Wayne, but he is still a number one for at least another season. Now, I promised when you were off last week, and um, I kind of forgot about it until now. We'll, we'll, we'll come back to it properly, I'm sure. But you were wanting to talk about Joe Hart a few weeks ago. You were wanting to write about him. We ended up not doing it. Uh, I promised him that we would at some point. So we'll not get into it properly today. We'll wait till Aiden's on as well. But Joe Hart, it is an elephant in the room type thing, isn't it? That it's not going to be forever. There needs to be a succession you know, plan there. Yeah, of course there is. And I think, uh, I just think just now that he, he he's causing more, <clears throat> more problems at the minute than he should. Even in games in Celtic, are, you know, relatively coasting and doing well and I, and, I, and I give Ibrooks as an example as well Celtic in that first half an hour were electric really well they were controlling the tempo of that game their passing was crisp it was sweet they created a couple of chances they were 1-0 up brilliant goal by Dijamaida and the game to me in my opinion people can share this if they want turned on Joe Hart with that uh, misplaced pass Rangers got such a lift, they ended up having to scramble the ball. Great save, incidentally, from Kent's. 
shot mm-hmm. that she touched onto the post. But it didn't have to be like that. And from then on, Rangers grew in confidence. They had the crowd behind them. But Celtic had silenced that crowd for half an hour. First half an hour, you never heard anything. And Joe Hart took an unnecessary risk. And it didn't have to. And all of a sudden, there was pressure on Celtic. And, you know, Rangers kind of had the better of the last 15 minutes and then had the, the first 15 minutes of the second half. Mm-hmm. They sensed blood. Whereas after that half an hour, Celtic were totally in control. And it's not unusual for Joe Hart to do that at, at some point in a game. And I think when you say to yourself, OK, Joe, you know, there are times when you just... I know it goes against everything that the manager tells you, but you, you have to shell it long or you have to just say, I didn't want to take a chance, you know, bring on unnecessary or undue pressure on the team. And, you know, I also think as well that people saying ah, he's a great shot stopper as, as well and all that, and then he is. And I'm not having a go at him per se, but I just think there was a spell there when kind of everything going towards the goal seemed to be going in. And I'm talking about the, the Livingston game as well, where I thought he didn't cover himself in glory to the goal he conceded. I know Greg Taylor tried to slide in, but mm-hmm. he'd have done better there. You know, just the goals that Celtic are conceding, I think. A few of late, I think that Joe Hart could have performed better or did better. And I say that, that was a big moment at Ibrox, that, because I think... You said it at the time, I remember you throwing it in the group chat at the time, saying that's 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 a momentum changer, that, and um, you know, I agree with you. I think I, the, thing, the thing is, you're saying he, he took an unnecessary risk. He did, but, but not in the sense that he had to lump it. He just yeah control it initially the way that he wanted to, and then rather than playing the simple ball, he looked for another ball, and it kind of escalated from there, he ended up just kicking it off him, but... Um, Aye, so I don't think either of us are saying he should just have lumped it because obviously that would be more than what he's had to do. It was more the, the manner in which he, he yeah. adapted to the kind of slight miscontrol that he had. He kind of let it get to him rather than um, rather than just... But I think, the easy I think in that sense that, yeah, as alien to your nature and alien to what you've been told, but there are times if you think you're going to put your team under unnecessary and undue pressure... You lump it and you say, "Look, I didn't want to take an unnecessary risk." Oh, hey, aye, I, I, I agree with you. I, 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 think there, I think there are times, and, then, and I don't think the manager would uh, have a problem with that. No, he wouldn't, that, because that, he said before, he said yeah. before they're not. Well, he said the other day they're not robots, but right at the very start, yeah, I remember writing about it and, and basically making the point that he was saying that he wants them to play in a certain way, he wants them to do certain yeah. things, follow certain schemes, look for the the free man in the, the space and stuff. But see, in that moment. You have agency to decide for yourself if, if that is the best option because sometimes it won't be. And don't get me wrong, it won't be happy if, if there is a pass on and you choose to lump it. Yeah. But if there if there either isn't one on or you or the get the, the player decides in that moment that there is slightly too much danger for his liking, I don't think any well I know because he says it before that he won't get at them for that. Similar to the the reason that he won't get at them for playing the pass that they should have played but it not coming off as long as they try it again the next time when it's available rather than shy away from it it's the same logic it gives them agency within yeah, the, the structure um, and within kind of game I, situations they're always going to have to make up their own mind and uh, I think that was a moment for that agency to be deployed sure, hmm. rather than put Celtic under unnecessary pressure and the groundswell that came after that uh, yeah game change 100% from then on yeah I mean that uh, I think a, a lot of Celtic supporters had thought of, thought that at the time as well, and because I say uh, that that's why the narrative that Celtic were outplayed for lots of that derby match didn't sit well with me. 
because Celtic bossed that opening half an hour. Had the had the kind of dodgy spell last 10, first half, first 10, 15, second mm-hmm. half, and then it was kind of uh, even kind of after that with both sides having chances, you know. So I, I, uh, um, that didn't sit well that Celtic were outplayed in any shape or form because I say first half an hour, I think Celtic were doing the outplaying. Of, of I know they were. Had they scored a second goal in that. T- time frame, time scale, Celtic would have won that game comfortably. Oh, on Joe Hart, just before we move on to another couple of questions before we wrap up, I, statistically, he, he doesn't stand out, to be honest, statistically. Yeah. Um, even adjusting it for, for the fact that he's playing for Celtic and therefore faces fewer shots than a lot of people, he, just, he doesn't stand out. Um, I said at the time when he signed, I remember doing a scouting report and one of the sessions was, right, so what's he been up to lately? And he hadn't really been up to much for a few years. Um, so you were signing him not on what he was capable of, but what he might bring if he could rediscover. I said yeah. at the time it was a gamble. It was a hat trick of gambles because they'd done it with Craig Gordon, Fraser Forster and then Joe Hart. And all three of them, I would say, have paid off to varying degrees. But nonetheless, that was a gamble. Uh, with Joe Hart, I think a lot of it was the, the kind of intangibles. What he brings to the dressing room, his experience, his character. You saw that when he got the armband as vice captain last year. He obviously, it was Carter Vickers that got it properly when, when McGregor was actually out injured. Um, but there's no doubting that he's a, a, a big character in that dressing room. You can't, you do not get stats for that. That's just something that that's why he's yeah, an yeah. You can't, you can't record that. But nonetheless, for the stuff that you can record, he isn't exceptional. Yeah, and and so you weigh that up, don't you? The manager still trusts him. I always come back to that, that mm-hmm. if the manager saw something in Joe Hart, again, I'll go back to you watching them training every day, and I'm sure the hunger and the desire are still there with Joe Hart, and he sees that every day on the training ground. And if the manager felt that Joe Hart needed rotated uh, in favour of Seagrass, then I, I think he would have he would have done it by now, because mm-hmm. he, would, he would have, he's had lots of opportunity to do that, hasn't he? So I always go with the fact that he, Joe Hart sees tried and trusted and tested goalkeeper, isn't he? So I kind of stick, stick with that. And I get with the intangibles that he brings off the park, but as you say, on the park, it's not exactly forum that you would turn around and automatically say he should play every week. But mm. again, the manager seems to think so. So manager knows more about football than me. I'll put that out there. So uh, yeah, Robert Gibson saying he's done all right for not getting into the Joe Hart question just now. I fair, fair enough, fair comment. Um, a couple more, Tony. Jason Lee saying when Alexandro Bernabe isn't being horrible, he's actually excellent. Um, <laughs> well, I, I, I still think there's tools to work with. I think he's. Uh, I, I think the raw ingredients are there, Sean. And you saw, you saw on Saturday the kind of the horrible and the excellent, if you want to put it that way. Those yeah. both those skills. He's he overshot the runway with many crosses, but I, I for that I'll raise you the ball that he gave to Maeda, which created the first yes. goal. Yes. Yeah. So. You know, you're talking about in terms of impact, that impacted the game at a big time because it was a crucial time. You know, it's it, your first half injury time, still had the presence of mind to pull off a pass like that, to spot the run in particular, execute the pass, and within seconds of balls in the net, you go in, you go in one nil up instead of nil nil. It's a different team talk, then, isn't it? It's he also never, he also. That attitude when the whistle was coming was also evident in that St Johnston game when him and Yakimakis didn't stop and the rest of the teams and the, the St Johnston yeah. players all stopped. 
Uh, that was near the end of the game. That was a winner, obviously, rather than an opener. But oh. it was the same, the same logic. He didn't, uh, yeah. he didn't switch off, despite the yeah. fact that there, there might be concerns about him going back the way still. Yeah, you know, and you know, people will always highlight something bad that a player does. And then people were saying he gave the ball away and almost cost the goal. And, so, and, and I get all that. And he, his crossing was wayward. Yeah, I get all that too. But you have to, if you're going to do that and say those things were horrible, then you have to accentuate the excellent as well. And that was an excellent pass. It was a brilliant pass. And as you say, he switched on for the cross for the goal at St Johnston. So you have to caveat both of them. The raw ingredients and material are there in, in, in Barnaby. I think he just needs to play a lot more. Yeah, you sort of show exactly what he brings to the table, but yeah, there's a player there somewhere, lurking there somewhere. <laughs> just needs to iron out all the the horrible stuff, as Jason Lee puts it. Uh, speaking of playing more, Angelo Tyro says he would like to see Vata and Law, uh, Boss and Law will get promoted. I mean, they might get game time in the cup against Morton. Not sure. Um, I suppose the other one to add to that would be. Toby Uwalayemi, the goalkeeper, because that was meant to be the kind of succession plan long term for Joe Hart, by all accounts. Whether that's still in motion, I don't know. Um, but certainly there needs to be something you would think with succession plan with Joe Hart. I don't think it's Benjamin Segrist, but might be wrong with that. Uh, Robert Gibson, where's the wardrobe, Tony? Just want to clarify, he's not in the house. The wardrobe is still alive and kicking, it's all right. Um, I'm in my mother and father's yep. uh, box room in their house. Different part of Visco Bride, but there you go. Uh, I, I like this for a last one because I have been saying that I expected him to get a new contract because his contract expires 2024, it's now 2023 and he hasn't got a new one yet. Uh, Max Stark says, do you think David Turnbull might have to move on, Tony? No. Stark think Turnbull has a lot to bring to the table and another one who can force himself into being a, a, a very good impact player or a play a feature more regularly. He's been unlucky in terms of injuries as well. He's been unlucky in terms of other people hitting the ground running and, you know, playing a lot better and hitting real for him. But I still think a, a fit David Turnbull and firing and all cylinders, he's a football player, intelligent mm-hmm. footballer. You know, he's got an eye for a pass, an eye for a shot at goal from long range. I, I don't think he has to move on. I, I would be loath to part with David Turnbull because as the manager always bangs on about, it's a squad game. You need yep. players. You need good players in your squad. Keep saying that's how good teams end up. Good teams, they have good players in their squad. You know, and, and at the minute you would say Turnbull is that kind of impact from the bench player and a squad player, but he's a very good one. And I think it's up to him to sort of, when he does uh, get on the park, to make his presence felt. Uh, and he and he has done that a couple of times at the four 0 game against Rangers. He took his yep. goal very well. You know, he's had a couple of other moments as well where you sort of see the old tumble coming back slowly but surely. So I would I don't think that it's time to say Chiru to tumble. I I would be dead set against Celtic letting them go. I mean I was expecting that we have a new contract before now. Uh, I still think it might come. I think a lot of that might depend on what he does when he does get his game time between now and the end of the season. But Mark Eason, hugely underrated. JP saying Turnbull's still only 23 as well. Michael Ross saying, no, we need to keep Turnbull. We need good Scottish players, which is another thing to consider. Yeah, another thing, yeah. Maybe we need to get into that in more detail soon. Um, Chilpill saying he'll come off the bench when he's not going to start. That's kind of what he's, he's had to do yeah. so far. 
Uh, despite that, he, d- he does do well when he comes on. Turnbull, I've put in a wee, um, I've put in a link to a, a feature I wrote on David Turnbull, what maybe a week and a half ago now, something like that. Uh, just kind of diving into that December 2020 when he, I called it the month that made him because genuinely, I, d- I think it gets overlooked just how much of an impact he made in that month alone. Yeah. Um, I mean, everybody remembers that 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 season he was one of the only bright kind of lights of that season. Yeah. But December, it, it, it still put it this way. At the end of November, he'd still played more for Motherwell that season than he had for Celtic. Yes, he had. And then that December just changed it all for him. Totally changed it all. Um, so that, that feature that I've put a link into kind of goes into, into that in a wee bit more detail. Um, so for the David Turnbull fans, you might like that one. Um, anything else, Tony, that catches your eyes in the comments just now? Or? No, I think we've, we've covered it pretty extensively. That's 52 minutes out. We woke up today and we were thinking what we're going to speak about, but this is nearly nearly an hour later. We're, we're still waxing lyrical, or, or not. I'll let the, the viewers and the contributors decide that. But yeah, it's like everything else. Once you start talking and you get on a roll and you, you know we enjoy the interaction with the commenters and the viewers, yeah, thank you guys for the long show. Cheers, Jason. Uh, we... <laughs> uh, there you go. People seem to enjoy the long format, Sean. Don't know if they enjoy the fact that we drone on and on, but there, there you have it. Yeah. Seems to be good. I've got to give you this, Tony, well. which is a, a, wee, um, a wee plug for your book. Edward of Oz says, Going to gaze a lift or mister, which is obviously Tony's new book, is better reading than Prince Harry's book, Spare. Well, I, I think that's all uh, this aristocracy. You are always, always <laughs> at each other, aren't you? Lord Haggerty and Prince Harry. Highly complimentary, Edward. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. I, yeah, it's yeah. If you if you get a chance, yeah, you, yeah. I've written a second book called Going to Giza Left Door Master. If available on Amazon, if you wanted to have a look at that, I'd be very humbled and very honoured. But yeah, people that have read it have, have enjoyed it so. Thanks for that. Appreciate it. My mum's got it, Tony. She has indeed. I've stopped to sign it. I've uh, stopped to sign it for your mother, haven't I? Yes, I. But yes. She also took it Martin O'Neill's book for Christmas and, and she, she did sit there and say, no, I think I'll read Tony's first. <laughs> <That's>, <laughs> and do you know obviously, what? Obviously not watching a Celtic briefing for me, put it that way. <laughs> when you when you told me that off air, I, I just thought that made, my, that made my festive period, to be fair, so... Mrs. Martin, thank you very much for that. That's that's the kindest compliment Andy could give you. That the I'm going to throw this up as well before we do the last kind of the last subscription stuff. Chilpil says, "Watch the Three Kings on YouTube. It's brilliant. If you like that, Tony, you'll obviously yeah. like our. Uh, how long did we go for? Was it an hour? Not quite an hour. Kind of. An hour. Yeah. The, the the documentary maker behind that, Johnny Owen, spoke to the two of us uh, about Jock Steen's legacy and a wee bit about Three Kings as well, didn't they? That's on our YouTube channel. That was a sit-down. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Johnny Owen's a wonderful fella. He's involved in the Three Kings uh, film and just, it was a brilliant hour, wasn't it, Sean? He's so knowledgeable about yep. uh, Scottish football uh, mm-hmm. and he, you know, he's a, a massive Jock Steen fan because his father was a miner and his father always used to say that Jock Steen came from mining stock, and he was always yeah. uh, he was always fascinated by the story of how Shankly, Busby, and Steen all came from mining communities, but ended up building three football teams into uh, the European successful teams that mm-hmm. they were. So that story was all all struck a chord with them. And yeah, I would urge you to go and watch the Kings if you haven't watched it already, and also watch the YouTube uh, podcast that myself, Sean, and 
Johnny Owen did. It's it's excellent. Uh, you really like it. He's just a. It's it's hard not to be enthused about football when you talk to somebody like Johnny Owen as well. Isn't that right, Sean? Aye. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Aye. So, but yeah, excellent. Well, guys, I've I've enjoyed that actually today. It's been great. Maybe it's a change of surroundings. Maybe it's what I need. <laughs> no, I don't know. But uh, there you have it. But. Just direct you to the bottom, guys. It's the ticker tape running along the bottom. It's your last chance. Ends midnight tonight. Subscribe to the Celtic Way. Support top quality journalism. Covering the club you love. Two offers. The festive deal still running. Midnight tonight. A pound for two months of full access to everything that's written on the website or 25% off the yearly price, which takes that down to 26 quid. Midnight tonight, guys. Click that button. www.celticway.co.uk forward slash subscribe. And also, thank you to our new sponsors, Seneca, who the Celtic Way Morning Briefing, now sponsored by Seneca Medical Group. And Seneca are the number one hair transplant company in Europe and offer innovative hair restoration treatments. And you can find out more about Seneca via the links in the description of this video. So all that remains for me to say is thank you, Sean. Top class uh, today. We were in good form, I think. (laughs) Most people uh, in the comments were in great form as well. Have a wonderful Wednesday. We'll do it all again tomorrow. Don't know where I'll be. Location unknown. (laughs) No, Sean, thanks a lot. Thought you were top class today, mate. All right, good man. Cheers, Tony. Cheers, guys.